Hello and welcome along to Minus 16 with me, David Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything that's wonderful in the world of Apple. I'll bring you all the latest news, views and events. <laughs> well, I say events. Of course, we were supposed to be getting uh, the invitation sent out just prior to me recording this podcast for the next Apple event, but it didn't happen. I've been writing quite a lot about it. If you haven't caught up with my writing, you can find it over on Medium and I'll leave some details in the show notes for this podcast. But by the by, uh, we were supposed to be getting an event on March the 8th. Everybody had been expecting that. All of the writing that I have been doing recently, I have kept on prefacing it by saying the yet to be confirmed. And sure enough, Apple once again have <laughs> have done what they do best. Do you know, I am sure that they are such a clever and massive company that they will sing the dance to us. They will let us know just the right amount of information at the right times. And uh, I'm sure that they will have leaked out this March the 8th idea just to drum up interest. They know that everyone in the Apple and tech sphere has been yearning for information and anything to talk about of recent because it's been somewhat quiet since uh, the events of November last year. So I think they let this little uh, rumble come out just to give everyone something to talk about. And it's always the way with Apple that if there's an event, then the invites go out one week beforehand. So for the March 8th event, the invite should have gone out on Tuesday, March 1st, and they didn't arrive. Everyone on Twitter has been talking about it, and uh, we have absolutely no idea now when it's going to be. We assume probably still in March, but we're not altogether sure. <laughs> so it's made us all look rather stupid again. But it, it's the same with the leaks as well. You know, I've been watching this game for a good many years now. And uh, we get all these leaks, um, uh, stories come out on uh, YouTube and on various pages over on Twitter. And yeah, they don't know. They don't, they don't know any more than you and I know, to be honest, when these products are coming out. So, yeah, I think it's all worth taking with a pinch of salt. It gives us something to talk about and we can still speculate. And I think we've got a fairly good idea of what will be coming up at the March event. Well, we say March event, the next event, maybe I should say. And uh, I think it's almost locked down now that we're going to be getting the iPhone 5G SE, an iPad Air revision, and possibly some Mac Minis, I reckon. I did write again uh, earlier this week a blog about the order of events. I think Apple will be releasing things in this year. There's an awful lot of Macs that are going to be coming out this year, but I think they will be later in the year. But the Mac Minis we might just see at the next event. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with me, it's super easy to do over on Twitter. It's at dtalkingtech, and you can find me over on the website as well, which is talkingtechandaudio.com. And by the way, leave me your contact details there, and I'll pop your name onto the mailing list. I do a members mailing list video that goes out every weekend, and if you'd like to be a part of that, that's all you need to do. Just leave me your contact details. Now, before I carry on, and there is a lot uh, to go through on this podcast, there's a lot of bits and pieces that have come to my attention since we last were together. I just thought I'd say, I fixed my AirPods. Well, <laughs> I say fix my AirPods. If this was YouTube, that'd definitely be clickbait. I didn't really fix them as opposed to address an issue that uh, was apparent to me over the last couple of weeks. Now, I tend to wear my earbuds and AirPods when I'm either training or out walking. And of course, that means they get a fair amount of moisture around them. And also, well, without being too indelicate about this, how can I say it? The debris one finds within the inner ear tends to get attracted to. Now, I've had my AirPods, which are just the basic AirPods. I've had them for around about mm, almost two years now at this point. They've been 100% reliable, have never let me down. 
the auto pairing gets on my wick. So I've, t- <laughs> I've turned that off because when you walk into a, a room or studio that's got, say, two, three Macs in it, uh, an iPad and a phone, the idea that they can detect which audio source to go to next is a little bit even beyond Apple. So if you've got more than one pair, uh, one Apple device in a room, I suggest possibly turning off the auto pairing device with your AirPods. It's uh, it's a pain, to be honest with you. Anyway, anyway, I digress. So I've been using these AirPods regularly now for a couple of years. And yeah, they were getting quieter and quieter. So of course, me being me and the tech man, I was looking through forums and trying to find out what to do, why have they suddenly become quiet and looking at EQ settings on Spotify or all sorts of silly, weird and wonderful things. And actually, all I needed to do was clear out that aforementioned collection of uh, dried, well, there's no better way of putting it, dried earwax. We've all got it. <laughs> I know it sounds pretty gross, but I gave them a good little clean out. I'll give you a top tip here. I used a uh, toothpick. It was a brilliant tool, a toothpick and a toothbrush, and it did a great job of cleaning them out, and they sound as good as ever now. So I don't know if that makes me a genius uh, that could be at the Genius Bar fixing your products, but there you go. I'm going to say I fixed my own AirPods. <laughs> so let's get into some of the other stories that I've had to uh, no, had noted down to mention to you on this podcast. The Apple Self-Repair Programme, has anyone heard anything about that since it was announced, I think around halfway through last year. In the self-repair program, the idea was that it was going to let uh, users complete common iPhone 12 and 13 repairs by themselves, including things like battery swaps, camera placements, and screen replacements. And of course, you could carry out repairs on MacBooks too. Good luck if you just bought a £4,000 MacBook Pro and thinking about repairing your own screen. You are of a stronger mindset than me. <laughs> but I've not heard anything about it. I don't know anyone that's carried out their own repairs. I've heard no follow-up to it. I'm not even altogether sure if it's a thing or not. But uh, it seems to have, I don't know, fizzled out to some degree. If you know anything about it, do let me know. David at TalkingTechAndAudio.com. Of course, you can DM me on Twitter as well. So let's look at some products now, shall we? Uh, We are coming into the season of releases. Well, I say that's a little bit ahead of time, but in the autumn, we will be getting uh, the iPhone 14. And I know that that seems to be on track because last week, the iPhone 14 went into its final stage of trial production. And that's a stage reduction. They're just double checking everything over that they can produce enough units in a certain period of time so that they can meet supply demands when the phone is released. They look at uh, productivity. They look at any kind of production issues like all the little screws and bezels and bits and bobs that go into a phone just to check that there's no genuine hands-on production issues with them. And that seems to be going ahead last week, which means that the phone is bang on schedule as ever for an autumn release. And then there's a few more uh, bits, a little, few more bits of information that we had come to our attention last week as well. One of which was that it looks like the iPhone could be getting uh, a massive increase in its RAM from six gig up to eight gig, and that's only going to be in the Pro range of phones, so the 14 Pro and 14 Pro Max. Uh, this information was put out on a Korean blogging site, which is semi-reliable, and. If we, are, again, are to believe that there's going to be a massive 48 megapixel camera on these phones, it could be that that extra RAM is in there just to help deal with the amount of information that those chips are going to be processing from those phones. As we know, Androids, I think, I'm right in saying, have had 10 or 12 gigs of RAM for quite a time now. But I think it's because of Apple making their own handsets and making the, the own, their own chips that go within them that have made them very efficient. 
But uh, it looks that we are going to get a bump in RAM. So we'll keep our eye out on that. And of course, I can't talk about the iPhone 14 without the recent notch stories that have been going around. Now, I don't know if it's just me. I'm not really given a hoot either way about the notch. It's kind of been on the phone from day one. And it is what it is. It does its job. I haven't really noticed it until everyone started making a mention of it. I didn't really pay a second thought to the notch. But now, of course, uh, the notch has become a thing. And a few weeks ago, the pill and punch notch is what became the uh, hot subject on YouTube and on Twitter. And it's where they were suddenly going to do over the notch, but instead have kind of a long elongated oval shape and a lip shape for one part of it. And then a little cutout dot as well for the camera. So it became known as the pill and punch. And it was quite small when it was first announced. And again, there was rumblings that it was ugly. Didn't fuss me too much. But now the schematics are being released. And it would seem, it would seem that um, it's going to be quite a lot larger than was first anticipated. And not only that, people have noticed that if you turn the phone on its side, the dot above the elongated ellipse, as I called it a moment ago, actually makes for the shape of a lowercase i in the alphabet. So everyone's saying, is it a plan? Is that what they're doing? Is it this them playing games with us? I don't know. I mean, I think it's just them making the best of an engineering decision they can make. So the notch is going to be bigger. It's going to be a two-part notch. It looks like those schematics are the final thing. And we could be getting an increase in RAM from six to eight gigs on the pro levels of the phone as well. Will you be changing up to the iPhone 14 when it comes out uh, later this year? It's meant to be taking a lot of style cues from the iPhone 4, one of the most beautiful designed iPhones ever. And uh, the cameras apparently are going to be flush on the back of the phone as well. It looks like it could be something of beauty when it does come out. Obviously, it's not going to be cheap, but I'll be interested to know, will you be tempted to trade up later this year? And whilst we're still talking about products, let's look at the headset. <laughs> the AR, VR, Apple headset. It seems that it is a real thing. It's moved into its next stage of development now. It's moved from a prototype into a stage of development called EVT2, which stands for Engineering Validation Test 2. And after that, it will move into DVT, not vein thrombosis, but Design Validation Test. And that is where hard units will actually made. 50 to 100 units will be produced the same as I just mentioned with the phone to check there's no production units and they pass all quality control measures as well. Um, and it seems that the headset has, as I say, now gone into EVT2. So it's gone out of prototype, prototype stage into that development stage, which means it is gathering pace. But there is no signs of it being actually released for sale anytime soon. We are being told that Apple are very keen to finally release this uh, at an in-person event. And it doesn't look like there's going to be any in-person events this year. So the good money right now is on WWDC of 2023, but I think there's a good chance maybe one of the last events of this year in, say, October or November, that they might announce it or show it as a little teaser, as Apple so often do. And then that gives them time just to iron out any final issues with it. And of course, there are still certain supply issues at the moment as well. And hopefully by then, those supply chain issues will have eased somewhat. I don't know what the demand's going to be like, actually, because there are already headsets that are out there in the kind of price range they're talking about here. There's sort of two to three thousand pounds, gulp, two to three thousand pounds for a VR headset. But uh, there are already headsets out there for the very keen gamers. So I don't know what the demand is going to be. One would imagine, as it's Apple, that demand will be high. I've never been a gamer, so it's not going to be on my shopping list. 
but uh, it looks like it is gathering pace. You're listening to me, David, and this is Minus 16, a podcast that you can find on all of your major podcast clients, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. Oh, and I think it's also on Alexa as well. Now, you might want to check that out for me and let me know if you can just say, hey, play Minus 16. It'd be quite cool if it does work. Um, one more product to mention. Well, I say a product. These next two items aren't actually products, but are things that either prototypes have, uh, patents have been applied for, or just very strong rumours. First of all, something that I don't think Apple are keen to get into in any way, shape or form is, <laughs> is anything that is foldable. So there's been a couple of stories doing the rounds recently about, well, first of all, an iPhone that's going to be a foldable iPhone. Ross Young, who's one of the most preeminent screen analysts out there, said that uh, it's definitely not going to be this year and it could be pushed out to 2023. But I don't see why Apple would suddenly do that. If they were to release a, a foldable phone next year, that means Samsung would have been in the market for six, seven years by that point. And Apple don't like to be the poor cousin or relation to anybody. So I don't see what it's really bringing to the table for Apple to bring out a foldable phone at that stage. And to be honest with you, I don't think I particularly would want to use one. If you want a slightly bigger screen, surely you'd use an iPad mini? Or am I missing something there? That kind of sits, I know it's not a phone, although you can clearly make calls from it with FaceTime and so on with cellular connection. But I don't know, I just don't see that having a foldable phone is something I'd really want. Although the foldable element of it, that technology has improved a lot, there's still going to be a, a crease of some sort on the screen. And I'm quite happy with the phones we've got. And certainly if you go up to the 14 or 13 Pro Max, it's a big screen. I don't know what you would need a foldable for, but uh, I know they seem to be popular in the Android market. But anyway, Apple, well, 2023 is the earliest. It could be as late as 2025. And I just don't see Apple being that interested in it by then. And while we're talking about foldables, did you see that horrendous render <laughs> of this idea? Again, it was Ross, uh, Ross Young that picked up on it, of a foldable MacBook Pro. It looks horrible. Imagine a when it's flat, it's 20 inches square, so it folds in half to 10 by 20. And the idea is that it's almost an iPad meets MacBook. So you fold it and it kind of sits like an L shape on the desk. And the bottom half of the tablet, Mac, whatever you want to call it, is a touchpad uh, keyboard. And then you've got your screen that sits up in front of you. But I don't know about you, typing on an iPad has never been the best thing going. And to think that you're going to sit at a MacBook Pro and use a touchscreen as a keyboard seems ridiculous. And then if you were to take a keyboard with you, hasn't that kind of obviated the reason for having the foldable MacBook Pro anyway? I don't think it's something that we'll ever see, although they apparently have been working on it for a good number of years. But I'm sure it's just to improve technology in the foldable market. I think it's more likely to go the VR route, to be honest, by that stage that you're working in a VR capacity, so you've got a big Mac somehow through maybe Apple Glasses when they come out, and that you're not carrying around big devices anymore. I think big devices could be a thing of the past, and uh, certainly a foldable MacBook doesn't seem to make any sense at all to me. So there you go, Apple and foldables, not going anywhere, not coming to us anytime soon, and I, <laughs> no bad thing as far as I'm concerned. I mentioned a moment ago about bringing a keyboard with you to work on that uh, never-to-be-seen <laughs> foldable MacBook Pro. Well, also, another patent that was applied for was squeezing all of your iMacs components into a keyboard. It kind of fits along with the acronym that Steve Jobs came out with years ago when he announced the Mac Mini, the BYO DKM, by your own 
uh, display keyboard and mouse. Well, they're going to slim that down somewhat, so you just bring your own keyboard. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's going to, the, the, the renders that I've seen are a slightly thicker Magic Keyboard. It's still got very much the same design cues of the, the Magic Keyboard we're used to, just a little bit thicker. And inside of there will be everything that your Mac has got, as I understand it, even speakers. So you, if you're working remotely and things look like it would seem that people are going to still be working remotely to some degree for some days of the week. And the idea that you don't have to bring around anything more than the keyboard, and that would simply connect to a display. And a, well, that's kind of it. You need a mouse, you're, you're done. I just think it's an amazing idea. Just think, just think how clean and tidy that would look on a desk. Oh, if that comes true, I would be a happy person. As I say, it's only at the stage now where a patent has been. Uh, applied for, but apparently work has been going on with it, so our Macs could soon be sitting in our keyboards. Around about a week or so ago, the latest beta release of iOS 15.4 came out, and one of the features in there was for the first time in almost two years that a new English-speaking American voice was now amongst Siri's options. Known simply as Voice 5, it was recorded for Apple by an actor that, who was a member of the LGBTQ plus community. It's quite an anodyne voice by design. And if you go through most of Apple's voices, they're very distinctive male, female kind of voices. This was intentionally meant to be quite an anodyne, middle of the ground kind of voice to represent more inclusion. As you know, Apple have been very big on making sure that they've got an inclusive policy. And this is just the next step along the way now. And all in all, I think that's quite a good thing. The voice, I did hear it actually, it sounds okay. I think it's gonna be part of the English beta when it comes out. I don't run betas on my phone because I've only got the one phone that I use regularly and betas are pretty unreliable and flaky. So I don't tend to run the betas. Is it beta or beta? I'm not sure I've said it both ways in the podcast. Do let me know which you think is the correct way or which way at least you prefer. Um, but yes, I'm not. I'm assuming that it will be part of the English release two of fifteen point four, which I think is due to come out in April time. I know there's some new emojis on there and a few other things. I think it's going to be the last big release on uh, fifteen before we look at iOS sixteen. But uh, as I say, the fact that there's been an addition to series voices is another headline over the last couple of weeks. So some of the guys and gals that work in the Apple stores have been mentioning for quite a time they weren't happy with the working conditions and in particular, the holiday allowance. So Apple, it seems, have now listened to their retail workers and this applies to both full and part-time employees and they have now been awarded with more days annual leave. The number of days leave is now going to get up to 12 and reasons for leave will also include both family and mental health. And it comes in after only three years of service, as opposed to, I think it was five years of service that it currently is. So they're bringing in more days leave, 12 days leave, plus of course, bank holidays. But the reasons for uh, sick days are being, as I said, upped to include family and mental health issues. And also another great uh, uh, addition to the way of looking after work is also in the fact that they've uh, added to the benefits discounted emergency backup care for both children and elderly relatives. So if you're uh, an Apple retail worker and you need to get into work and say you've got a kid that's sick at home, you can now go and get emergency cover and the company will add pay some money towards that to make sure it's a discounted cost. So it's a way of keeping the employees a little bit happy with all of their benefits and particularly holidays. And we all love a holiday. So at least it would look 
that Apple have been listening to it and it's not all give, it's give and take. And hopefully that will make the uh, the guys and girls in the blue t-shirts just that little bit happier with their working conditions. I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Don't forget, for the time being, it comes out every fortnight and it is called Minus 16. Leave me some comments. And if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, it really does help the podcast out if you give it a rating and some comments as well. It just works with the uh, the Apple podcast algorithm to help share the podcast out. And I had some news this week that apparently we're in the mid-70s for technology uh, downloads over the last two weeks. I think that's doing okay as we've only done two episodes so far. Now, something unusual last week, there was a siege. Nobody was hurt. It was all to do with somebody walked into the Apple store in Amsterdam. It was a crypto demand. They were after cryptocurrency. Uh, There were people in the store at the time. They were ushered away into a safe room until police got there. Then police managed to get the hostages out of the building. It didn't go on for that long, but the store was shut for about four or five days. I think the, the siege took place on a Tuesday evening and the store was closed until at least the Friday of that same week, last week, as I record, and I think maybe even to Saturday morning. The website said that the store was closed indefinitely. The police didn't make any statements about what had happened inside of the store, uh, saying it's not able to share information about the situation and or actions that the police may be taking. Uh, and say all that Apple did was to mention on the website that the store was closed for uh, the foreseeable future at that point, but it is reopened again now. Um, so, as I say, other than the fact I saw that it was to do with cryptocurrency, I don't really know what Siege was all about. So, Apple is looking to get back into the modem market. Uh, it's not been the best kept secret that uh, Apple were looking to try and get back into the 5G modem market for their future releases of iOS devices to go alongside the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chips that are in them. A few years ago, there was a very acrimonious falling out between Qualcomm, one of their major modem suppliers. Qualcomm, along with Samsung, have been the biggest suppliers for Apple. There was a big incident a few years ago called the double dipping incident. Uh, If you want to go and look it up, it's easy enough to find. But since then, relations have been tenuous at best (laughs) between the two companies. So Apple have been looking to try and get back into the uh, modem market. And it looks like They could be announcing something as early as next year in 2023. And uh, it will then be almost a final bit of hardware that goes into the phones that Apple don't currently have under their own banner. So they'll pretty much be self-sufficient at that stage. So that is something to look forward to. Whether there'll be an increase in speed, I dare say that will be the case. 5G, of course, is one of those um, albatross things at the moment, isn't it? It's meant to be amazing, but never seems to be that good. (laughs) I don't know what your experience is with it. Even in areas where it says it's tremendously fast, I've not noticed any fantastic increases in download. I know there's different bands of 5G like there were with 3G and so on years ago. But uh, anyway, Apple clearly is getting ready for the 5G market with their own modems inside their iOS devices. A couple more things I wanted to cover on this edition of Minus 16, and that's to do with browsing. Um, I don't know which, on a Mac particularly, more than on your iOS devices, which browser you use. Do you stay with Safari or do you use Chrome? Chrome is still hugely, hugely the uh, most favorite browser to use across all users, it seems. 60-odd, 66% of people choosing to use Chrome as their browser. I use it once or twice a week for when I'm uploading videos to YouTube. There's a particular plugin that I tend to use on that 
and uh, it's vidIQ is the plugin, and it doesn't work on Safari. As you know, not many plugins work on Safari. I had the choice of running it on either Firefox or Chrome. I chose Chrome, and it works perfectly well. But yeah, it's uh, 65.3% of people are using Chrome as their default browser, which is massive. But the the fight is still on for second and third places. In second place is Safari with 9.84% uh, share of the browsing market. And Microsoft Edge, funny enough, is third after that with 9.54. So they're very close behind. Microsoft Edge is catching up with Safari. I suppose that's because there are so many PC users. Clearly, you can use a browser on any machine, but I'm guessing that's why Microsoft Edge may be so favoured. And uh, Firefox, that I mentioned just a moment ago, had a good year last year, actually, and it uh, made good gains, and it is sitting at 8.1% share of the browser market. But uh, what about you? Tell me, do you use Safari still? I do most of the time, very happy with it. It seems quick, and I like that it's secure as well. And just mentioning uh, browsing and going on from there for just a moment, I've just written a blog about the tie-ins between Apple and Google. It is fascinating. 18 years ago, Google tied Apple into this agreement whereby as long as they were the inbuilt search engine on Macs at that point, but then into iOS devices, that they would pay Apple a sum of money. When it was just for Macs, of course, Macs weren't as generally used, but where Google were very clever, they kept tying Apple into this system of paying the money to keep them as the default browser and search engine, sorry, default search engine, not browser. And as then Apple grew into the mass markets with iPhones and iPads, suddenly that became a very clever move by Google. Of course, they make revenue out of advertising and with iPads and iPhones being in the hands of millions and millions of people around the world on a daily basis, it has been a huge success. And the late, although the figures that uh, Apple pay to Google have been kept very quiet, sorry, that Google pays to Apple have been kept very quiet, it's thought to be around the $15 billion, $15 billion a year mark, which has grown from around about 8 or $9 million just a couple of years ago. So clearly there's big growth there and Google are very keen to stay as the default uh, browser. I said it again, default search engine on iOS, Macs and any of the products that Apple sell. And I guess it's for a very good reason. But uh, equally... It goes the other way as well, that uh, Apple also pay Google good money as well because their needs for data and data storage has grown so much over the last few years. They've outgrown their own servers and they're having to use Google and also Amazon's servers as well. But uh, there is a fair old discount that Google are giving Apple for the amount of storage they're buying. And the actual figures are in this blog that I've just written that you'll find over on Medium. But... Uh, it is huge, absolutely huge. The amount of data increased storage that Apple paid for in just one month in November of last year, in just one month, the increase that Apple made is the entire storage requirements of TikTok. Kind of crazy, crazy amounts of storage that they're getting through. Petabytes and all weird terms, terms that I'd never typed out before were being used in that blog. Exabytes, I think, was another phrase in there as well. But just extraordinary amounts of data being used. And to give you an idea, the amount of data that Apple increased by in that month, you'd have to make a FaceTime video call that lasted over 200,000 years to equate to that amount of storage. <laughs> that is the amount of data that we are talking about. As you know, data is king and Apple have got a lot of it. So they need to put it on these servers. And uh, as I say, they do still use Amazon servers as well. But Google and Apple look like they're firmly cozied up together for the foreseeable future.
I don't know if you saw that a new store opened in Abu Dhabi and it looked absolutely stunning, as you kind of expect from anything that's over in Abu Dhabi. It was in the Al Mariah uh, area of the country. And for the first time ever, it featured some granite that was called Absolute Black. I put some pictures of it online recently with one of my blogs and it just looks stunning. There's waterfalls, there's cascades, there's walkways. Absolutely stunning. I think it opened last week as I recall as I record this podcast and it just looks simply stunning. Until the release, the actual look and design of the store had been kept under wraps. But um, now it's come out, it is something of a wonder, something I would certainly like to go and see one day. So consider that ticked on the bucket list. Just one more story, I think, for you this week, a funny little one to finish up with. Um, It's something we've all heard about recently that, uh, of course, there's been bullying amongst teenagers, particularly over in America, where WhatsApp is not a thing, that if you haven't got the blue bubbles of iMessage, you just ain't cool. (laughs) And I'm not laughing at bullying, of course, but what I'm talking about here is that there's a very famous uh, American basketball star, a member of the NBA All-Stars called Jarrett Allen, and apparently he was being almost bullied and certainly ostracised by his teammates for not having an iPhone. They couldn't include him in the group message on uh, for the team. So he had to get rid of his Android phone and switch over to Apple. Yeah, poor little love. I'm sh- assuming he probably got one of the bigger Apple phones just to make sure that he can get uh, all of the messages through on his large screen. <laughs> so that's about all the news I've got for you on this edition of uh, Minus 16. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, there's all sorts of ways you can get in touch with me over on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you at DTalkingTech. Leave me details on the website for the members' newsletter. So you go over to talkingtechandaudio.com. There's a little box that pops up there and you can leave your details so that I can uh, make you uh, part of that members mailing list at the weekends. Of course, you can read me over on Medium as well. And don't forget, I am on YouTube making regular videos. And in fact, I think I'm having a slight change of direction with the YouTube channel. I really enjoy the style of investigative reporting that I've been doing recently on uh, stories like I brought you on this podcast and also stories that I write on on my blog. So what I'm thinking, rather than necessarily doing the pure audio YouTube videos I've been doing, I might get into doing more of these news-based stories on YouTube as well. Let me know what you think. Is that something you'd like to hear more of? But uh, as I say, that's all I have for you on this episode of Minus 16. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. If you want to get in touch with me in the meantime, you can also email me, which is david at talkingtechandaudio.com. Thanks for listening to this one, and I'll catch you in just a couple of short weeks. Thank you.